This is Remote Ruby. Have you any remote ideas to the meaning of the word? What do you get on your burger? Chris, we'll start with you. The works. Okay. What is the works? Ketchup, mustard, onion, pickle. No lettuce, tomato? No, never. Mm. I feel like the works mm. would include lettuce and tomato. Hey, and the works. Your burger the, gets too slippery when you get the the works of the, the tomato sides. in there and stuff. You ever take a bite of the burger and it just slides out the back? Yeah. That's, that's why I eat that's burgers not, upside down. I do see people do that and it's messed up. It's I just eat like burgers upside down. That's a real fact. Because well, the bun is bigger on the bottom. I mean, on the top. Is it? Well, also, the bun on the top is always bigger and can hold more. Do you mean like, wa- you, like wider or thicker? Thicker. Yeah, there we go. But when you pick up the burger too, do you put your fingers underneath it or are they on top? And then do you rotate it when you bring it from the plate to your mouth? No, like no. It's, you it's grab like, it and you go no, rotate no. it? No, no. This like, man's got a suture. He's got a knife and he just he slices open the top layer of the burger while it's upside down, like the wrapper, and then opens it that way. You can just pick it straight up. No. No, I love eating with my hands, and I've also converted to mostly using chopsticks. While you eat burgers, how do you eat, clean. How do you eat burgers no, with a chopstick? Burger with hand. He's got six chopsticks. Easy six. His fingers just picking up. His he only just uses one like a of kebab. them and stabs the I whole turn, thing. Yeah, exactly. I turn into a kebab. <laughs> You're okay. as good as eating as Jackson is. My <laughs> ten month old, basically. <laughs> uh, he might be better. Not stinging either. Andrew, on your upside down burger, what do you what do you eat on it? Where? Where? Uh, okay, because that's important. We're, we're at mm. my house, and I'm okay. grilling burgers, and I said, and you're grilling burgers. Then I'm gonna want, and I'm just gonna you or not. I'm gonna I'm gonna want lettuce, tomato, cheese, bacon. Let's leave bacon out. That's like an upsell. What it's about like, like? Is it grilled onions? Is it raw onions? Is it I, I blue cheese would, barbecue sauce? You could literally throw all that onto my burger, but if we're just grilling like a normal burger, then I'm going. Whoa, whoa! whoa. I don't. Burgers aren't normal. Sorry, Jason. Eating a Jason burger, then I'm gonna get lettuce, tomato, cheese. Yeah, I guess onions. I'll throw onions on there. I don't really care about onions. They're kind of just like a texture thing to me. They're the onions where the flavor is, my man. And I don't usually put sauce on. I like special sauces. So I like the McDonald's fancy um, sauce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like the Chick-fil-A. I like those types of sauces a lot. I don't put ketchup or mustard or relish typically on my burger because that makes it soggy to me. Okay. So sometimes I'll put mayonnaise on it, but usually I'll just eat it. If it's cooked well, you don't really need sauce. But if there's like a spicy mayo, I'll throw something like that on it. How long does it take you to eat a burger to where it gets soggy? I'm not a fast eater. <clears throat> I don't eat fast. Yeah, I can see that. The lettuce yeah. then is a distracted. good investment. It protects your bun. The lettuce. I just, yeah, lettuce I don't protects your buns. I, yeah, I always I'm slip like, some in my yeah. underwear. Oh no. The anti-slob uh. device. <laughs> what do you say on your burger, Jason? Plain. 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 I was in like, so like you go to McDonald's and you want a burger and you're like, give me the bun. Okay, okay. It depends the bun on and the that. patty. As a kid, yes. If we're at McDonald's, I'm going to get a Big Mac and I'm going to not get pickle on it. I'll take the lettuce. Yeah, I'm not, I don't need pickle. The micro onions, but I don't need it. I like the onions. If I'm getting cheeseburgers, just like the one offs, no pickle. So I'll take the ketchup, mustard, onion. And then 
I just went to a local fast food place and they're like, do you want the works? And I was like, yes. And then I got home and I was like, I don't want any of this. So that's what Shame. this question today. Shame. But it had Did mayonnaise get- on it. I do like mayonnaise. I'll put mayonnaise on it. Do you get your subs the Mike's way at Jersey uh, Mike's? Yeah, Jersey. I was like, I kept thinking <laughs> Mike's hard lemonade for some reason. I was like, Mike's hard is- Jersey. Like, what is Mike's hard lemonade? What am I thinking about? Yes. No, I. It is Friday. Time to drink. If I go to Subway, we just got Jersey Mike's. I'm gonna. Your Subway I'm, people. I'm gonna get it plain. I don't like Subway. Subway. Anymore. Subway is like weird now. Really good. It Have you been weird. recently? After they like. Their menus just got all these trying to be fancy sandwiches, but yeah. the ingredients are like all the same, it's except bad. they now claim to slice certain meats fresh. But is it really fresh? Recently sliced is all really fresh slices. off a Cisco truck, a freezer truck that was trucked across yeah. the country. Jersey Mike's at sink, Jason. Go to Jersey. We're, our, we like firehouse subs. Mm-hmm. I like firehouse. Those are good. Fire the, the New York steamer, I think it's called the yeah, Stanley like steamer. Their, their Philly cheesesteak type stuff. I like their like hot subs. Yeah, their meatball sub is good too. Yeah, I like a meatball sub. We have a place here called Lenny's, and I get a chicken. Ooh, that was good this. there. Yeah, it's what good. was they that sauce? Hot pepper relish. Yeah, that good. does sound good. I still gotta make you some of the smoked cream cheese with hot pepper jelly. I. Did that for the first time like a few weekends ago because the meat church guy on YouTube made some and he does cream cheese smoked for like two hours, puts the holy cow seasoning on top, and then it becomes a very soft, almost dippable thing at it after a couple hours, but takes on quite a bit of the smoke flavor. And then you melt hot pepper jelly on top and it's like that creamy, but also a little bit of spicy and you put that on some crackers and stuff. The first time I made it, I like brought it into the house and was like, I'll try it before I share with anybody. And then I think three quarters of the block of cream cheese was gone before anybody else made it over there. It was good. Very good. Sounds good. That happens when I'm doing pulled pork and brisket too, or I'm like, got to slice this and have a bite of every slice just to make sure it's good before I serve this up to anybody. Andrew, <laughs> what else do you eat upside down? I just realized I'm going to get barbecue tonight. I found the greatest barbecue restaurant of ever eaten that in Arizona. The um, greatest barbecue you've ever eaten is in Arizona. Yes. On God. I am from North Carolina. Is it it? I am is from a it? barbecue state. I am on God. Mm. The best. Mm. What? what? Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. I saw last night on YouTube an Egyptian guy that moved to Texas that does Texas style, but like Egyptian fusion barbecue. He had like a pomegranate barbecue sauce and was smoking lamb shoulder brisket and stuff. It looked unbelievable. Then you of course serve it with rice and Jason's favorite cucumber salad Mm -hmm. and armadillo. And what are the other things you love? Salad is so good. (laughs) Those are the two triggering. There was something else we figured out recently. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, well, anyway, I think that's all the questions I had this week. Oh, no, it's not. Andrew, yeah. I know you've lied to me before. So, yeah, I have lied to you. Do it again. Do it again. I'm going to, I'm going to, but do you want me, but do you want me to give you a truthful answer or do you want me to be funny? <laughs> Why not both? Okay. Yeah, I was like, the truthful <laughs> answer is probably funny. Well, let's go. <laughs> have you booked your flight for Rails no. World? 
Yeah, of course. Have you gotten your ticket to Rails World? No. Okay. I knew the answer to one of those already. I have been hibernating. Andrew, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but you really need to do that. I know. There's a lot of things I really need to do, Jason. <laughs> yeah, but Rails it's World bit- is above all those other priorities. I will. In fact, it. they're not even really priorities. You only yeah. have the one priority. This is your only responsibility. Yes. Do you still have that flight I sent you? Yes. Real quick, read your credit card number out and we'll book it for you. <laughs> we'll book it for you. I'll just make a privacy card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, willing to book my flight, Chris. I heard what your price range was for flights. Hell no. Jason, you can well, book it. I trust you. No, you're fine. Nah, neither of y'all are booking St. my flight. St. Louis flights were pretty bad and then we really didn't want to fly just the regular economy because long flights overseas like that my like knee starts to ache we got premium economy but it sucks it's like four hundred dollars more for that which is not a lot better but i guess it's split across two flights there and back so you can rationalize it away sort of Mm. i don't know just read your credit card. In fact, why don't you just take a picture and tweet it at us? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that really post post it. X post it. Yeah. X post it. Yeah. That sounds dirty. Well, that, yeah. why, take it up with why Elon. Is he, uh, why is he doing yeah. <laughs> Not X post it. Oh, uh, so, so what enjoyable things have you done this week aside from Dream of Burgers? Truly really nothing. What did I do fun this week? It spoke to me. We don't talk that much anymore. We talked today for, for the last 20 minutes. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and earlier, I haven't really done anything fun this week. That wasn't one of his fun things. Sorry. I know. Did you guys, I, I caught a stray. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Yeah. We'll talk about Amsterdam. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. Right. I'm so excited to go to AMS with you to AMS. That's the airport code. You should know so, that that's going to be yeah. useful. Well, he is. Yeah. In a few weeks, when you book your ticket, that'll be useful. <laughs> do it. I'll do it this weekend. No, I will. I will. You won't. You won't. Do it. You won't. Here, remind me to book <laughs> my ticket this weekend. Siri's like, you won't. <laughs> She's on it. Andrew, what did uh, you do fun this week? Nah, it's kind of been a blur. Chris, what did uh, you do fun this week? Nothing. But I can tell you what wasn't fun this week. So with Hatchbox, I just snagged RBN VARs and added that to ASDF to support the same feature where you can define environment variables in folders and just load stuff. Super handy. So you have DuraEnv? Not DuraEnv, but okay. it basically took the RBN VARs plugin and added that to ASDF as a plugin. So there is an ASDF for plugin you, for that. For DuraEnv, yeah. Yeah, but this it. is like the RBN virus one because uh, Durand was like an extra like dependency you have to install or whatever. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do any of that. So we've been using that and the new Hatchbox and stuff. And somebody was like, "Yeah, the multi-line environment variables don't work." And I'm like, "Oh, interesting. I'll check that out." And I hadn't used multi-line environment variables myself. A lot of people will post in like a SSL certificate or something like that in in their env and I'll just put that in my credentials. I would rather do that. And then that way I can like keep it versioned along with my code. So apparently not everybody does it that way. So I start looking at how RBN VARS works and if it supports multi-line stuff. It actively does not 
because one of the commands that it does when it prints out the vars files is run the content through said and if it does not start with a capital foo equals whatever it deletes those lines so if you put multi-line variables in there it's only going to keep the first line and i was like oh that's not wait, ideal wait, can, I, can, can i pause you real quick when you say multi-line yeah. I thought I understood, yes. and I just want to make so sure. Imagine, You're talking about a file with multiple lines of environment variables. Yeah, like a .env file, right? right? Like so a normal .env file. In there, but in there, you might have foo equals, and it's like begin certificate, and then a new line, and then like the actual content right. of the certificate, and new line, uh, separate You're talking about multi-line content yes, for, for the, the values of the variables. Okay, yes. that, I thought you were talking about just having multiple lines of variables. No, no, no. You're talking multiple lines in the content of the variable. Okay. Yep. Yep. So the way that RBN VARS works is it like reads through every line of the file and it says, Hey, if it doesn't start with a capital environment variable and have an equals in it, we'll just delete it. So it would just truncate the values to the first line and then wrap single quotes around the values and escape them and stuff. And it does all that with ridiculous regexes where it's got to be inside of double quotes to escape slashes, but then those slashes need to be then escaped again. And so there's said commands that have eight backslashes in a row. And it's ridiculous to read some of this regex stuff. And to support, to really like properly support the multi-line variables, we have to go through and like look at this line. Does it start with an environment variable and an equals and a value? And then look at the next line and see like if that doesn't start with a capital letter and have an equals and a value afterwards, then we need to just concatenate this to the previous value with a new line and stuff. And it turns out that echo command on Mac and BSD and Linux and everything it just works differently. They have different flags. And if you read through ASDF, they have banned commands because they're not POSIX compliant and like compatible across different shells and stuff. So I end up going down the rabbit hole of like pretty much rewrite the whole thing myself and read through these files line by line and then try to output the stuff. And there's all kinds of interesting things where if you're like trying to truncate the last new line was said, you can be like, hey, find all the trailing new lines and replace them with nothing. It'll still, when said finishes processing your stuff, it'll print it out on the screen and then add its own new line at the end. So you can never remove that. And I just spent like four days fiddling with this to get it to work properly. And you have to like do all these crazy little workaround things. And so this morning, actually, somebody was like, I want to put JSON in my environment variables. And I'm like, cool, that should work fine. And they're like, well, no, it doesn't work because JSON doesn't support multi-line strings as values in JSON. So you've got to escape slash n or put slash n's in your value but our code was actually like treating those as new lines. So it was screwing up the JSON so you couldn't parse it. So we had to go through and fix that so it never evaluates those and it escapes them and then outputs that properly with real new lines in the final output file and stuff. And I tell you what, I would have been done in less than an hour if I could have just used Ruby. But Bash is... Yeah, I've been writing this in is, Bash recently. I know. The uh, said and the awk. Yeah, said. 
I spent so many hours like fiddling with said and awk and just kind of threw yeah. it away. And the way that it works now is I do like a regex on the line and then use printf for the majority of things. But subshells, like if you printf, so like something as easy as I want to join an array of those value lines with new lines or commas, you can use printf and say like print each one of these items in the array with a new line at the end, but you're always going to get that ending new line. So they're like, well, you can do that and then take the output and just remove the last character. I just wish I could say array.join new line like we do in Ruby and it would not include the extra new line at the end. But there's a ridiculous amount of tricks on Stack Overflow on how to like do these workarounds for little things like that. But it is one of the most frustrating things to work with and then try and make it compatible across CSH on your Mac and on Linux and Bash and or the regular shell and stuff. I was losing my mind for the first couple of days and then I got pretty much done, but I keep finding those little things that are like, we're almost there, but we're not quite. And I think I finally finished it this morning before lunch. But if you guys... Uh, wouldn't mind starting a petition so we never have to use Bash and we could just replace it with like a real language like, uh, like, like Ruby Bash. for everything? Here we go. Here I we go. like Andrew's, Bash. This is my proposal. Andrew's been talking about Bash for a week. So it's been before... Way I've been week. bashing Bash for a week Ooh. and it sucks. I've, before Andrew I've, gets on his hundreds of uh, <laughs> soapbox. Oh God. Hundreds of unmaintainable lines of Bash. They're not. I test How them. many tests have you written? Yeah, I was going to say, how many tests have you written for this? Don't worry. Are you testing it manually? Yes. <laughs> See? Beautiful. Are you doing TDD? No. TBB? Bash bash. What, Jason, what were you going to say before I get on my soapbox? I'm sad for Chris because he was in town last weekend telling me about this problem. And I'm sad to hear he said, I figured it out today before lunch. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. Oh my it's, it's been a process. And it's like one of those things where I don't write complicated bash stuff usually it's all pretty straightforward run a command pipe it to i don't know set or awk or echo or whatever just kind of basic things but i don't like write functions and process files like this in bash normally and it's always like long enough that i forgot all of the details of bash's nuances by the next project that i actually need to use this stuff for so then i have to relearn it all and there's a crazy amount of bad examples on Google and Stack Overflow on things that just don't really explain why. And you're like, okay, just copy paste and yes, it works or no, it didn't. And then we just move on to the next thing and then never really understand what the heck you're doing. So you love Bash. What is annoying? You're very correct about the syntax being obtuse to work with and then no, having to remember. Yeah. The other really annoying part is the subtle differences between ZSH yeah. and Bash. Yeah. Because I and write all ZSH. Zish. 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 Shell. But, and, the, and you also have just shell. So, and the terminal emulates the shell. Yeah. I get that. Right. I think. But it's like you have your shell and then you have Bash and then you have ZSH and you can technically use all three of them, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And as I found out, like in Bash, you can do like a regex match and capture groups. And you can mm -hmm. use this variable called Bash rematch 
which is like the regex match. And it will give you like one, two, three, whatever captures you have. But that does not work out of the box in Z shell. You have to set opt to turn that on. So you can use the same thing as there, or you can use the Z shell match variable, which is what they call it. But it's like intentionally by default, not compatible. And I was like, oh, that's great. Luckily, yeah. that was like a minor thing. And also, you can do local variable assignments. So you can say, like, only during this function do we want to modify and turn bash rematch on or whatever, or like force it on. Right. So after the function ends, it'll go back to whatever it was before. So there's things you can do, but you don't want to have to do these exceptions. That was why when I started programming, I started doing like desktop software in Python. And I was like, so you're telling me this isn't going to work on Windows and Linux and Mac because they're all different. And that's what got me into web development because I was like, the browser sucks everywhere. We can do it at least terribly and consistently there. But right, that was back when JavaScript was way worse. The old days. I don't know. I've been having a lot of fun dropping lower, I guess, is because I feel like, oh... And this is the place where you have like the most control almost over the sure. whole system. Yeah, and, and it's Jason, kind of fun, like, expect a PR and pure assembly from Andrew pretty soon. Not been just waiting for it. Let me ask you one quick question. Are you currently using one service for uptime monitoring, another service for error tracking, another service for status pages, and yet another service to monitor cron jobs and microservices? Paying for all of those separately may be costing you a lot of money. If you want to simplify your stack and lower those bills, it's time to check out HoneyBadger. HoneyBadger combines all of those services into one easy-to-use platform. It's everything you need to keep production healthy and your customers happy. Best of all, HoneyBadger is free for small teams, and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at HoneyBadger.io. That's www.com. Honeybadger.io. I've been having a lot of fun learning how to combine all these different things. So like create a interactive fuzzy finder window to help you search for Rails routes or something like that. So like the combination of all these commands is what I've been having fun with. And then I turn them into functions and yeah, yeah. how to load them. So yeah, I yeah, have all it, sorts of stuff like that. Little shortcuts you can make yourself, the aliases, the little... Things like that are really cool and very convenient and you can like build some sweet. That's, I think, the coolest part about our job is that you can build tools for yourself to make things way easier. And like if you're building a house or something, I'm sure you build little jigs and whatever else, but they're not near as useful as the tools we build for ourselves. Those are like things you just use every single day, which are sweet. I don't know. So if you see me at Rails World and I got a full set of gray hair, you know why? <laughs> if Andrew sees you at Rails World. Yeah, if Andrew even makes it to Rails World. Andrew, yeah. did you know we're recording a podcast while we're there? Yes. He's I've like, arranged. we use Zoom so I can join remotely <laughs> yeah. on the flight over. I've arranged two recording sessions. Okay. One Thursday with Adam Latham. Okay. And then one Friday, it's during like the happy hour at the end. I thought that'd be a cool time to like let people stop by for a minute and just hang out with us and record, come and go. Cool. 
Sounds fun. I haven't talked to either of you about that. Well, Chris and I kind of talked about that second. We talked about it. I approved it. So yeah, on your behalf. Yeah, it's two thirds vote. Unless we didn't even need you. (laughs) That's fine with me. (laughs) No, I think it'd be a blast. There's a lot of people that can come screaming into the podcast and say hi, which I'm down for. Let's just make that episode a pure chaos. You're going to set up a booth at the next Laracon. Just have people join. They don't know what podcasts are going to be on. And then it just turns out to be a Laravel love episode. Laravel love. That's a good YouTube mm. channel name. Someone. Someone. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Laravel love. I got this. I saw your Laravel mug. Yeah. I saw them tweet about the old Laravel store and I thought that mug would look good in my hand. And sure enough, it did. You'll be surprised to learn the mug is as high a quality as the framework. I can't say what I pure silence. I can't say. (laughs) No, go ahead. No, I can't. No, go ahead. I mean, I feel like somebody should make a web framework on Bash now. Or there is one. Yeah, there is one. No, wait, there's DOS on Dope. That's the batch scripts for Windows web framework. Okay. Beautiful. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> anyway. So, yep. code? You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Spicy. Remember when we had a podcast about Rails? <laughs> it's now the burger podcast, though. It's now, the bur- it's now our food review podcast, which I'm actually down for, by the way. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll bring y'all to that. We can come eat this barbecue here. Get these ribs, man. Uh, the McRibs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not McRibs. <laughs> That's that banging spot he found in Arizona. Yeah, it's a it's McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> Got yeah, sweet French fries. Place too. Greatest tacos I've ever had. Taco Bell. <laughs> I talk about this every week, but not really. Kind of. So this week I started another app and I spent Laravel. <laughs> I always think about it. I spent days, <laughs> days concerned about what I want to build with design. Controller concerns or I model concerns? Controllers. View, view concerns, I guess. No, no, no. I'm Even sorry. They don't okay. exist. But I did. Actually, okay. Let's talk about that. So I'm using Untitled UI and in building components. Untitled UI is just like a Figma design library. It's awesome. And I'm building components. I'm using Tailwind. I'm using Alpine. None of this stuff should surprise you. But uh, button components. I made a concern for my view components. I think there are two different types of buttons when I build apps. There are links that look like buttons, and then there are buttons. And I don't really want one component that like tries to figure out the difference between the two. Yeah. I started doing that rabbit hole the other day, actually, last week. And I was like, yeah, I do not want to like have to have you pass in what HTML tag it is or yep. whatever. Yep. Yeah. So what I did was like the styles are the same, right? And they're tailwind classes. So I just added a concerns directory to my components library and made a module that I mix in that actually handles like so it requires them to take the same arguments, like set the same instance variables. The only difference is I have a button link component that takes a path and a button component that doesn't. The nice thing about the button link component is that I can still give it stuff like data, 
turbo confirm. Like I just like splat attributes at the end. So you can still like pass data attributes and stuff through it. Yep. And so far I've been really happy with it. I made, do you pass the form into the button one or how do you doing that one? I use a custom form builder. And so what I do is actually my form dot submit, my submit method renders the button component without like the not button link component. It just says like template dot render. Is there any reason to use the input type submit? Cause the button can render HTML inside of it, which is the main thing that I end up using it for. Cause it's like, I can add a progress oh, circle see, yeah. or something, you know, which you cannot do in, there's no disable with functionality and like an input type submit. And then I was like, is there any reason to ever use that? Cause I always just use the buttons now pretty much. If you have <laughs> multiple buttons in a form, which has happened to us several times at Podia, you can like, using input type submit and then like button type button will prevent one button from submitting a form while allowing button type submit to submit the form. But mm-hmm. if you're just building a form with one button, which is probably like 96.3% of people. Yeah. Cause I've done like two buttons that have different commit values. And then I can look at that and see like you clicked save and create another or something like that versus just save, which is like save and redirect me to there or save redirect me back to new and I'll start a new whatever it is to do list. I don't know. I forget what I was building with that, but I do the same thing, Jason. I think the only difference is that sometimes I'll abstract into a concern like that. Sometimes I'll abstract into like a base component for the link. Yeah. But the other thing that I typically do is I abstract out the actual styles out of there. And so make it so that a button and a link can access the same like i use variant usually for that key like variant and that, like that's what i'm doing yeah i have yeah, and like scheme sometimes i can do like variant button or variant ghost and then like a pass it's a ui pattern i don't remember even what it looks like anymore a weird flex but, yeah i'm flexing but i do the same thing those types of components they're very similar that have very similar shared stuff I don't like doing what you kind of described where you have to pass in a certain thing and that's how it knows whether it's one or the other. I like typically being more explicit, maybe link component, button component. That's what I have is yeah. I have a button link component and a button component. Right. I don't like when people use one. You're saying what work. Chris was yeah. saying. Oh, yeah. Okay. What Chris was saying. Sorry. Sorry. What Chris was saying where you pass in a variable that dictates which one it is. I don't like doing that. I like it to be what yeah. you're doing where it's one for each. Like that's also how you build a better UI. Like you should know when you're using a link versus a button, like it's very different navigational elements. So. Yep. That's the decision I ran into is do I organize the component names based on what the visual thing ends up as, or do I do it to where it's like a link button or button button component and i think it's better to have that dictated as you're rendering it out because the abstraction when you're looking at the template that's rendering these things it's like you should be able to easily tell if it's going to render out a button tag or a anchor tag because it's important for you to know for the at the top level if it's like a nav tag with a bunch of button tags in it or is it going to be a bunch of anchor tags it's a useful thing to know at the component's name level, I think. It also helps 
increase discoverability for everyone else. If you want your component system to increase in adoption, you need to have components that are like atomic so that people aren't like recreating over each other a lot. And that's why, like you're both are saying, it's having those much smaller scope components, but that are very literal to what they are. There's no guessing. I want a link, right. link component. If I want a button, button component. If I want a nav item, nav item component. There are hundreds of component libraries, like there are patterns out there. Don't make up a new one. Yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error. And I feel like this is the happiest I've been using components in this last like week is because it's just like from all the last three years of screwing up. I feel like it's finally clicking. So like with Entitled UI, a button, I will say a button style. I'm not talking about an A or there's just like a UI button. Yeah, there's different variants. Like you can have a leading or a trailing icon. It can be different sizes. It can be different colors, right? It can also be icon only, or it can be plain. And that plain one is still like a button style just without a background because it still has right. like an icon. And so far, it's scaled pretty well. I've used three different types of variants, two different types of sizes, and four different types of color. And it's, I think, pretty maintainable still so far. So I'm really happy with it. I tweeted yesterday. I've talked about it. It's just, it's such a bummer. I understand why, but there's so many good component libraries in React. And I would pay for a solid set of components in Rails. It's quite a reaction. Yeah, that's just my view on things. I mean, people are building them though. So it's pretty stimulating conversation. Yeah. Just trying not to be spelt about it, but (laughs) you queried the database recently. (laughs) What were you saying, Andrew? I'm so lost. I feel like I just went unconscious for a second and I came back saying like, it's probably for the best. Something. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't know what I was saying. I understand why there's a huge market for React developers. I looked at trying to use web component, build these in web using lit, but pretty lit. it was lit. It doesn't seem that there's a simple setup though for using tailwind with the shadow DOM. And so, right, that would make sense to me. So, it would be like, I don't mind writing pure CSS, but what I've been doing is just extending this tailwind config as I'm going and kind of matching it to the entitled UI design system. And it's been flowing really well. And so, I was like, eh, I'll just stick with this. And view components are really solid library. One of the things that feels like there's got to be a different work organization for it is like using the custom elements and being able to add like callbacks to them and stuff feels a little strange. That's one where I've always kind of been like, eh, I don't know that I love this, how it gets set up. I almost wish that they could be automatically tied to a a stimulus controller kind of thing. And then Ninja keys will, when you open, you want to ask for what are all the options and when they filter something and select things have the command palette stuff. And that gets pretty complicated. Like if you look at GitHub's command palette, there's a lot of different contexts that's like you're looking at an org or a user or a repo or issues or whatever. And context changes quite a bit between those. And it's a cool concept to use the web components, but also feels like there's a lot of added complexity that isn't quite as elegant as I would like it to be to interact with. But everything still feels that way. React and stimulus and everything feel like there is. It still needs another layer of abstraction that 
you still have to learn some of the nuances to it and whatever. It feels like it could be cleaner in some way, especially when you see something like Alpine and house like straightforward it is to do things with it. I feel like there's the ability to have something like Alpine, but easily break back out to like more complex stuff with stimulus and have it in a separate location. Love to be able to do both. I will say I'm not doing it in this project. I did it in job boardly. I don't the verdicts out on if I like it or not, but Alpine does have a way to kind of write these like reusable bits of functionality, like using some type of data, right? Cause you say X data. Yeah. I know, yeah. Like if, the magic you, directives yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you've registered this, like in, in a JavaScript file and like exported it and stuff like that, like it's available, it's almost like in a way kind of like components yeah. or Alpine. And that's helpful because you can hook in different events and stuff like that still. But I guess where I'm at in job boardly, I tried to jump to it too quickly. I didn't need to. And Alpine shines so bright when you just kind of have a checkbox. And when it's checked, I want to enable a form element. God, that's so easy in Alpine. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I haven't looked to see all the changes in Alpine on version three. Didn't he just tag that? this week or something i know livewire laravel live or maybe it was that i don't remember version version three might have been that was released on it looks like nah nah it's been in a while because it's been it must have been livewire he had a recent release though version 3.13 yeah looks like version three came out june 16th 2021 livewire version three was yesterday and that's what i was thinking of okay yep Hot wire, live wire, live view, live view, hot view. That's what we need to make. Somebody, somebody can make that now. Hot view, hot McRib, the best barbecue in Arizona, baby. <laughs> hey, it was amazing. I, I want that to be the title of this episode. The best barbecue is in Arizona. <laughs> no, just the best barbecue in Arizona. The it McRib. Amazing. Ask Drew Bragg. It was so good. I'm scared he's going to brag about how good it was, though. All right. Well, gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, well, I probably made this reference for, but this, whenever we end, it always feels like the scene at the end of the movie Titanic, like the orchestra's done playing at the top of the ship. They put away. Never seen it. Yeah. It's because it came out when you were like an infant. I think I know what happens though. (laughs) Don't spoil it. Okay. Uh, My bad. bad. Yeah. That shit came on two VHS tapes. It was so long. It's a VHS tape. I'm just kidding. I know about Don't that. forget to rewind your DVDs before you take them back to family video. What is rewind DVDs, brother. What are you talking about? Are you talking about I rewinding videos? That was the joke. Oh. Meow. <laughs> <laughs>